So if you're not visible on social media, then you're really missing out on a prime opportunity to grow your database. And so we leverage social media in addition to our thought leadership platforms. And then especially through COVID, when everybody was secluded to their homes and not really getting out and doing face-to-face networking, I think we forexed our database that year just because of all the virtual networking we were able to do and the outreach that we had from all those different funnels. So thought leadership platforms, social media, and our email marketing were the biggest funnels for us. Welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. If you are looking to take your real estate investing to the next level and learn how you can achieve your financial success by investing in multifamily real estate, then this show is for you. Our mission is to help you improve your education and learn proven strategies from industry leaders to help you master multifamily investing. Now here's your hosts, Cody Laughlin, John Beatty, and Brian Alfaro. What's up, guys? Real Estate Cody here, inviting you to join our Preferred Investors Club. Now, what is the Preferred Investors Club? That is an exclusive list of investors that get early priority access to all of our investment offerings before it goes out to our general database. Now, why is that important? I'll tell you. Because our last two investment offerings oversubscribed by several million dollars each, and each had a waiting list. So if you want to get in and you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any of the offerings that we're putting out there, make sure to get on this list. So if you want early access, get in now. Go to www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash investor dash form. Drop your contact information in there so we can get you added onto that list so you can get your priority access. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now to the show. Good morning, everyone. Real Estate Cody here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another installment of the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast here. We've got a great episode for you today. I recently had the opportunity to appear on the Best Effort Podcast hosted by Ash Patel. And during this conversation, we discussed how to be competitive in today's very competitive landscape, ways that we at Blue Oak Capital are being creative in being competitive and how are we being creative and finding value in some of our offerings that we're pursuing? So really felt like this was a compelling episode that I wanted to share with you. Hopefully you'll find it equally as compelling. So definitely sit back, tune in, and hope you enjoyed today's episode. And now to the show. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Cody Laughlin. Cody is joining us from Houston, Texas. He is the managing partner of Blue Oak Capital, a multifamily acquisition firm focused on existing core multifamily assets across Texas. Cody's portfolio consists of being a GP on almost 850 units, and he also works part-time as a registered nurse. Cody, thank you so much for joining us, and how are you today? Ash, I'm doing great, man. I want to thank you so much for having me on. I've been a big fan of the Best Ever Podcast for many years now, so it's just an honor to be here, not only as a fan, but as a guest. So, well, Cody, the pleasure is ours. And before we get started, can you give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, again, as you mentioned, I'm a managing partner at our company, Blue Capital. I'm also the director of acquisitions for our team. And we focus on core, core plus assets across central Texas, Houston, San Antonio, primarily. I've been a real estate investor since 2010, spent many years in the single family residential space, pursuing multiple different strategies in, in residential real estate, but realized 
after many years and after a lot of expensive lessons along the way that, you know, this is just really, it was a hard model to scale. And for me, real estate was a path to financial independence and financial freedom and, and kind of entrepreneurship. And so after many years of going through a lot of headaches, decided to make a pivot and pursue multifamily syndication as a faster scalability to reach my investment goals and thesis. And so, you know, here we are, met two great partners. We formed Blue Oak Capital late 2019, early 2020, and we've been off to the races since. So, Before multifamily, was it just single families? Yeah, correct. Yeah, single family. And I actually pursued some non-real estate related business ventures, but that's another topic for another day. That's a whole different podcast <laughs> subject, huh? The two partners, how did they come into the mix? Networking. I was working with a different uh, partnership group on another opportunity late 2019, was introduced to my first partner, John, through a mutual connection. And we just really had a great synergy, great alignment of interests. We started finding opportunities to work together and saw a long-term partnership developing. And so we decided to formalize our partnership through that opportunity. And then midway through 2020, John met our third partner, Brian, through a virtual networking event and connected with him offline, started building a little bit of rapport, introduced him to myself as well. And and again, just great synergy, great alignment of interest, great complementary skill sets to our partnership. And, you know, the stars aligned and we added Brian to our team and one more pivotal piece to the puzzle, so to speak. Is one of your goals to do real estate full-time? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely the the long-term vision for us. And this is where we see our path to securing that financial independence that we're all trying to achieve. So, And your role is Director of Acquisitions. How do you find multifamily units? <laughs> That's a great question. It's really challenging right now in this uh, market cycle, right? But you know, all of our deal flow comes through broker relations. Brokers are your gatekeepers to the commercial real estate world, especially in the size of properties that we're looking at, you know, the 100 plus unit apartment buildings. And so all of our deal flow comes through broker relations and just nurturing those and, and trying to be involved in, in looking at any opportunity that comes across that fits our investing thesis. And what is your investment thesis? So again, that core core plus really for us right now is is our primary strategy, given where we're at in this market cycle and the execution risk that comes along with the value add play, especially when you're paying a premium like we are right now in today's market cycle. We really like the newer stabilized product, something that can be a long-term hold with less deferred maintenance, less CapEx needed to properly operate. And so we've made that pivot kind of halfway through last year and, and have made that our core thesis moving forward. And Cody, you've mentioned market cycle a few times. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh man, it's an interesting one for sure. You know, it's it, we entered multifamily in 2019, very very bullish cycle. I think a lot of people at that time thought we were maybe at the top of that expansion cycle. And then with COVID hitting again, everybody thought, okay, here's the correction. And then what do we see after? Right, the the market just exploded even more, and it's just even more aggressive. And so I definitely think that we are still in an expansion part of the cycle. As a United States, if you look at the supply and demand imbalance, we are in a significant supply shortage for multifamily housing, residential housing. And so um, there's still a lot of tailwinds for supply and development. So I think we still have a bright runway here for the next couple of years as far as you know commercial real estate goes. So and that's why you guys are buying mostly newer properties. Yeah, again, I think obviously everybody knows right now that we're entering in a rising interest rate environment, how that will impact 
multifamily, I guess it'll be dependent on on how aggressive the Fed will raise their rates this year. But um, I, I think with that, if the market does slow down any at all, or, or even pull back some over the next couple of years, again, we want to be in a position to hold assets longer term, you know, five, seven, even 10 years. And when you're holding that, you know, 60, 70 product that's constantly has deferred maintenance issues or constantly worried about what problems are going to need to be fixed tomorrow kind of rustles your feathers a little bit you know so we like to sleep better at night knowing that we have a quality product that doesn't have all those deferred maintenance headaches that come along with it so and does your business model have value add or do you buy fully renovated properties yeah so we're typically finding properties that are good that like i said that are in great shape a newer product we are looking for a light value add component and if you think about the market and how fast expectations are changing how fast standards are changing we're looking for product that's call it you know 2000 2015 that could use a light cosmetic upgrade right you know maybe changing the color scheme color palette adding a few modern technologies like prop tech things like that that are becoming an expectation for today's renders and demographic. Uh, so we are looking for a light value add component, but we don't want to get into something that's requiring a you know fifteen twenty thousand dollars per door renovation. You know something just a few thousand dollars per unit that we can make a quick turn on and, and capture an upside on that. Cody, you mentioned broker relationships. Is it one broker? Is it many? Is it two or three that oh, it's, feed it's, you most of your deals? Yeah, it's many. So, you know, we have a long list of, of broker relations across our markets and, you know, we try to engage with each of them. I spend probably more time with those who are capturing most of the market share in our markets. So there's several that we probably engage more often than with the other ones. But yeah, I, don't, I think you got to be careful at isolating yourself just to one or a small list of brokers, right? So we uh, probably 40 brokers in between our two markets. And when you sell a property, do you just spread the wealth amongst these brokers? Well, there, I haven't been in a circumstance where we've gone full cycle yet, but there is a kind of industry courtesy that's expected where most often you see when, when a seller sells an asset to you and you, you complete that transaction, when you're ready to bring the deal to market and go full cycle, it's a common courtesy that you go back to that same broker, unless barring a negative conflict, but we would expect to extend that same courtesy. So That's a good point. How do you get in front of your competition with these brokers? Now, this that's, this is a great question, and, and it's increasingly harder to stay competitive in this market cycle. Even guys that are much more experienced than we are that have much larger portfolios are having challenges in today's marketplace. And so, you know, everything right now is coming down to price and risk capital. I mean, ultimately, those are the two biggest drivers in today's marketplace. I don't think there's really anything that's market rate that's at a discount anymore. You know, we get price guidance and that's kind of your starting point now. That's no longer your target. And so you have to find ways to be creative and find ways to add value when you're acquiring properties. But uh, you have to go in knowing that you're going to pay full market rate and you're going to have to be putting up some sizable risk capital to you know give the sellers that confidence that you're fully bought in and you're going to make this transaction happen. And then also looking at ways to increase your due diligence periods, right? Your inspection periods, you know, looking at shorter timelines, the faster a seller can get to close, the higher chance that you have of getting the deal awarded. So I think between those three factors, that's the most effective way to be competitive right now. And is there any soft sales? So if you think back to like pharmaceutical or medical sales reps, they're whining and dining the docs a lot. Do you guys do that with brokers? You know, I, I was just speaking on this with another podcast. And, and to me, I think that 
I don't really find that to be very effective on the initial engagement. I think after you've transacted with a broker and you've kind of built that relationship and that trust of knowing that, hey, you can take a deal to close, then that's an opportunity to kind of make it more personal. But you know, ultimately, these are very busy professionals. And let's face it, there's a thousand new syndicators every single day that are calling all the same brokers. So their time is becoming more and more limited, which means that it's becoming more and more valuable. So they're going to spend it where it's most efficient, which is going to be on guys who are closing deals. And so our focus is, hey, let's close deals first and let's build a relationship that way. And then I'd be happy to take you to dinner and stuff after that. But I don't want to waste the broker's time. Uh, I want to build that relationship by closing deals and, and getting transactions done. Good point. Cody, 850 units. How many properties is that across? That's across four properties. And, and what markets uh, are you in? So again, our, our primary acquisition pipeline is Houston, San Antonio, Central Texas. But our portfolio as a whole, we have three assets here in Texas and then one in Columbus, Ohio that we co-sponsor. Why Columbus? The relationship with the lead sponsor. Great, great lead sponsor, Chris Jackson, Sharpline Equity. I'll name drop for him. Great guys. We just wanted a way to build that relationship with them and, and work with those guys. And they're present in that market. They have assets in that market. So we trusted not only their experience, but their presence in that area. And then once we looked at Columbus, we saw that they had really good fundamentals. And so uh, it gave us a lot of confidence to participate in that. But it's just like anything else. It comes down to relationships and experience. What value did you bring to the table? Our primary value proposition was being able to raise capital. We'd spent about a year and a half building a framework and an infrastructure for our business, building out our database through our marketing funnels. So that way we could position ourselves to go and syndicate and raise capital. Ideally, that was going to be for our own deals. But again, with the aggression in the marketplace and not having quite the track record as some of our competitors, we knew that we had to leverage the experience of other operators to really break in. And so that's how we started. You know, We started co-sponsoring with other operators that had much more experience. And we, we added that value through raising equity. And we also love to participate in the asset management side as well, you know, be involved in some of the decision-making and give input where it's needed and, and, you know, help direct the business plan. So Cody, can you talk about the differences of multifamily in Columbus, Ohio, typical Midwestern city versus Texas? Demographic, you know, obviously the demographic there is a little bit different than it is here, whether that be lower income, working class versus similar demographic here, Houston, primarily it's where we're based out of, it's primarily a low income working class demographic, but on this core, core plus product, we're typically focusing on more of your white collar, young working professionals. And I think that's the biggest thing is just working demographics. Both states have very similar laws and legislation around business owners that support business owners. And so we definitely like that aspect. We want to be in business friendly states for sure. But I would say the demographic is probably the, the biggest differences between the two. And rent growth, appreciation, cap rates. So cap rates are a little bit looser there. We're seeing cap rates at about, call it maybe five, mid five cap rate worse versus Texas here. Everything's kind of a sub four cap right now, which is kind of crazy to talk about two years ago. We'd be gawking at that, but now that's that's our standard. But it is more of a cash flow market. You're going to be able to find a little bit better yield in a market like Columbus versus here in Texas. Again, it's very, very competitive. So uh, pricing is aggressive. And so it's kind of harder to find those yields here in Texas. But Columbus, if you look at it from a fundamental perspective, it's, it's kind of one of those kind of steady eddy markets. It's not like robust growth. You're not having this massive net in migratory patterns like you're seeing here in Texas, but it's a great, great community for acquiring assets, operating efficiently, providing a good quality resident experience, and then just holding them for five, seven years for cash flow. Cody, you mentioned you spent the better part of a year setting up your business. 
before you started acquiring properties, one of the things you mentioned was your marketing funnels. Can you give us an example of some of those? Yeah. So we built out a robust marketing funnel, like we call it. And we started out with different thought leadership platforms, very similar to what we're doing now, right? Our podcast, our meetup. And really, I give a lot of credit to Joe because I read his book, The Best Ever Real Estate Advice. And he laid that out in his book, right? You got to go out there and build your network. And you do that through thought leadership platforms. And so we started that. We started a meetup, started the podcast. And as we started to build our network, then we started putting things like our newsletter in place, our email marketing, and then really leverage social media. And, and this is a big one. Social media is the way that the world's connected today. And so if you're not visible on social media, then you're really missing out on a prime opportunity to grow your database. And so we leverage social media in addition to our thought leadership platforms. And then especially through COVID, when everybody was secluded to their homes and not really getting out and doing face-to-face networking, I think we forexed our database that year just because of all the virtual networking we were able to do and the outreach that we had from all those different funnels. So thought leadership platforms, social media, and our email marketing were the biggest funnels for us. You know, I just Googled that not too long ago. So best ever listeners, if you Google Joe Fairless thought leadership platform, he breaks down, I think it's a top 10 list on things that you can be doing to increase the size of your network. Is there a particular niche that you're looking for in terms of size of units, purchase price, cap rate? So for us, we, we, we particularly look at value over count. I mean, we'd like to be above 100 units just from an operational efficiency perspective. You know, as you go bigger, things get easier to operate. You can have larger teams. Your property management teams can have more staff to operate your business plan. And so we like to be typically above 100 units. But for us, we focus on value. And this is really from the debt side. Anything over 20 million, kind of same thing. The debt gets a little bit easier. Terms get to be a little bit more flexible especially with the transactional volume of last year, the bridge, everything was executed on bridge. And so all the debt funds and bridge lenders really kind of exhausted their their debt funds. And so anything below 20 million terms were a little bit more rigid. They were going to make you pay a little uh, heavier spreads on some of those terms. So we like to really be above that $20 million threshold. So for us, our buy box is 30, call it 30 to 50 million, 100 plus units, 150 units, I would say. And, and really focusing on that 1990s vintage or newer. And Cody, what's your return to investors? So it's going to be very deal specific for us. What we're seeing in the marketplace right now, especially in our markets in this core core plus product, we're looking at a four to 6% cash on cash, call it 12, 13% IR higher. And then we always look to achieve a 1.7x multiple. And we're typically modeling all of our business plans on a five-year hold. So, How do you sway investors to your deals when the returns are fairly similar amongst a lot of multifamily syndicators? What separates you guys? It comes down to trust and relationship. You're right. There's plenty of other operators out there that are probably equally or much more qualified than we are. But being able to leverage our relationships with investors, you know, we find people that are attracted to us for whatever reason. We like to think we're good guys, we're authentic, we're transparent, and we're relatable. You know, we're everyday people just like you and me, Ash. And I think that's something that people can relate to. But um, aside from that, you know, it's just, again, offering something of value, you know, offering people opportunities to get in this direct private real estate, like commercial real estate, and grow their portfolios in a way that suits their thesis. But I think it just comes down to, again, focusing on the relationship, finding that alignment of interest, being authentic is key. And it's worked out very well for us. How often do you communicate with people in your database that are not investors? 
So we send out monthly newsletters. That's our primary way of communicating. Then we have weekly, uh, what we call drip mail campaigning that goes out. And that's to share our different content that we're curating or things that we find valuable that we can share to our database. And even though somebody's not actively invested with us or maybe not in our database or our direct contact list, so to speak, we still try to engage with people and we look for opportunities to add value to other people. Hey, you may not want to invest with me and that's completely fine, but maybe we know somebody that might be better suited for you. Or maybe we can make a referral to a connection or a professional that may help you grow your business. And so we try to have as many of those touch points as we can. We're talking to potential investors or partners on a weekly basis. Brian is our third partner and he's our investor relations director. And between his schedule and mine, we're connecting with 10 to 15 people a week on average and just looking ways to add value. It can't just be about us, right? We're not trying to be selfish and how do we get value? It's about how do we give value back to others as well. So... Cody, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Ooh, that's a good question. I would definitely say take action. I think right now is still a phenomenal time to be in commercial real estate. It is hyper competitive, but you can't let that deter you or put you in a state of fear. Get out there, put yourself out there, take action and go find opportunity. Cody, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. Let's do it. Cody, what's the best ever book you recently read? Ooh, Think and Grow Rich. I read that book many years ago. I've been rereading it again. It's, you know, success is a mindset. So I really love just revisiting that book and, and its core principle. So highly recommend that one. Cody, what's the best ever way you like to give back? So we leverage our platforms to try to give back to our community. So for example, in our live in-person meetup events that we host every month this past Christmas, we actually hosted a toy drive. And so for attendance, everybody, their admission to attendance was donating a toy to a local toy drive, which we ended up donating, I think, over 100 toys to a local charity. And so that was really special. So we like to leverage our platforms to try to give back to our communities. And Cody, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Well, we're not hard to find, man. Like I said, we're all over social media. So you can find us on LinkedIn at Cody Laughlin. If you want to check us out, you can visit our website at www.blueinvest.com. If you want to reach out to me directly, feel free to email me at Cody at blueinvest.com. Cody, I got to thank you for your time today, sharing your advice. You started in 2010, single families, 2019, got into multifamilies, assembled a great team, and you've got a great niche. Thank you again for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. I appreciate it. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with anyone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. To learn more about Blue Oak Capital and how you can partner with us, visit www.blueoakinvests.com. Tune in next time.